Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with support from our generous subscribers and from Shimano North America. This is Revolting with Steve Olin Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 105. If it wasn't for bad habits, we wouldn't have any habits at all. Content warning for you and your ears. This is adult content for people with childish sensibilities. Subject matter may include burps, farts, boogers, bicycle skateboards, the work of Werner Herzog, John Waters, and our motorboating. Now is your opportunity to turn the dial before things get out of hand. Thank you for your time and consideration in this matter. I'm Steve-O, that's Robot. This is the Cycling Independent. No. What is this? This is the Revolting Podcast on Cycling Independent. And uh, what are we getting into in the 105th episode today? Wild. I guess we should talk about what happened this week. Well, we should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, There was the, um, the ritual. There was a... The Thanksgiving ritual, uh, where we express thanks for our ability to genocide the Native Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, foundationally, but superficially, you give thanks for the breath in your air and the earth under your feet. Uh, and yes. uh, friends and family, maybe. I don't know. Yep. You, pr- you probably had a traditional thing because you have a traditional life i did i had a fairly traditional thing we went down to my mom's because my mom has got long covid and she's not mobile so we went we took all the thanksgiving down there it's very heartwarming it's very hallmark hallmark move on our part to go down to my mom's i bet she appreciated that uh i'm not sure oh and (laughs) and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she'd just rather be left alone yeah i think she was pretty tired she was like are you guys done um but the best thing that happened while we were there is that my older son uh picked up the laser pointer cat toy uh that my mom has and he was standing across the room from her and he would train it like right between my mom's <laughs> eyes my mom is just sitting on the couch <laughs> And it would just, you would be talking to her, and then all of a sudden it would wobble between her eyes, and he would go, Grandma, get down. <laughs> Grandma's about to get like, sniped. Yeah. And she'd be like, uh, what? What? And then he would do it to my wife. Uh, she would be talking to someone else, and all of a sudden. <laughs> it's unsettling. Uh, funny if you've never been in battle, certainly, if you have seen action uh that might send you off the deep end yeah it just made me almost incapable of having conversation with anyone because anyone i would talk to he would he would he would he would would assassinate well you would also uh you would also be expecting it so anytime you were beginning to have a conversation you were just waiting for the laser pointer to to zero in on their forehead pretty much Pretty much. And and he and I are a lot alike in that once a joke is funny, it just remains funny. It just didn't stop being funny. <laughs> and my mom not understanding what was happening was also extremely funny. Yeah. She's trying to laugh along, but she doesn't really know why she's laughing. <laughs> uh, you put some, there's something about pushing a joke. I guess it's kind of like that's sort of the foundation of the aristocrats joke. Right. Is that it gets pushed way beyond being funny to then being funny again. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any other examples, but <clears throat> that is kind of a cornerstone of my sense of humor as well. I still laugh about stuff from ninth grade, like things that we did and 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 funny occurrences that I then brought on to like adulthood or, or a retelling these funny occurrences in adulthood. And then I have this whole group of friends who 
who have these sayings or use these phrases or whatever that have no really, they don't really know why (laughs) other than, you know, like maybe one or two people know that, you know, Tony in my neighborhood, Tony uh, was a kid I used to ride bikes with and he had a speech impediment. And instead of saying, what are you doing? He would just say war ding. So we all (laughs) said war ding. And now it's just like my phone, I I begin typing W a, and it's just goes straight to war ding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tony was rad. We did a lot of BMX jumping together in the day. Um, This reminds me of my friend, Dave, Dave in high school, Dave is from Illinois in high school. They were, he was sitting in class one time and his friend Robbie farted his own name. (laughs) (laughs) Like he was sitting there in class and all of a sudden he went, Robbie? And everyone took everyone, like it wasn't, it wasn't one person. Several people turned around and were like, the fuck? Did you just fart your own name? That's a thing of legend, man. Yeah. Robbie? What? (laughs) Was he as surprised as everyone else in the room was? He was. Yeah. I don't think he. yeah, it was just this moment of divine, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't believe in things, but, <laughs> you know. You say there's no such thing as God until Robbie farts his own name, and then you think, <laughs> well, there might be something to this. There are signs. That's divine, all I'm saying. Divine being. Yeah. Not definitive <clears throat> proof, but certainly suggestions. Um, not that you asked, but my uh, Thanksgiving also had nothing to do with laser pointers or family or food. I did go to the curb spot in Oakland where I love being. And I sat in the sun and I drew my, I drew a picture of my friend Christian and I drank a bunch of beers and I rummaged around in my backpack and I found a, a meat stick and a, some fruit leather so that was kind of like turkey and cranberry sauce. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, I thought I had a complete, like, I thought I had a built board or two at my ex's house. Uh, and I left my, I left my board at home, uh, like, in Washington, because I thought, if I bring it, I'm just going to end up fucking myself up. <clears throat> and then... And then I got there and I thought, well, I've got some boards that are built and and that's cool. But the only one I had was this little like hippie stick uh, beer getter that Paul Urich did the graphics on for Paisley when he was running that joint. And it's, you know, it's like got like four inch wide trucks and it was sort of his own personal art piece. So he rode all over and he tattooed a piece of leather and nailed that on the nose. And it's not like a real functional skateboard, but I was able to get a a few turns and saw some friends and it was, it was good. I liked, I I liked it a lot. I saw a video of you on a skateboard and I was, I was just was concerned for your well being. Yeah, I wasn't pushing it too hard. And that's the thing is like that that little board you can't you can't you can't get too wily on it, you know? It's just a little it's just a little thing. It's like a penny board, but it's, you know, better. Is is that the one that has all the um names written on it? Mhm. I yeah. was trying to decipher who I saw John Cardiel was there. They were all people that were in the Spitfire video. Like maybe the initial Spitfire video. It was, uh, it was, you know, Paul, uh, Yurik, he's a, he's an old friend of mine and we did a lot of art stuff together. And then he ran Paisley skateboards, uh, with a couple of his friends. And then Paisley turned into strange love, which is Sean Cliver's joint. Sean Cliver did all the graphics for, uh, Paisley with the exception of that one. Paul did that one. <clears throat> and then, uh, Sean and the other uh, principal, they went on to do Strange Love. So that's kind of like, that's that's the transition. And a little fun fact: remember the first skateboard that I did with it? It's a Bruce Gossett drawing of a, I guess it's kind of me. It's a jumpsuited character doing a slappy, holding a wizard staff, wearing a ski yeah. mask. Yep. So that board was made by Paul Schmidt, um, and. Uh, a screen printed by some fucking company. I can't remember, but that was the sort of the prototype for all of the Paisley boards. 
they wanted to make sure that the wood was good, the shapes were good, the screen printing was good. So that was like, that was like the tester board. So that was pre Paisley, pre Strange Love, and it was you know ultimately it was the first board that I did, and I've subsequently gone on to use different companies to make my wood. But as a little fun fact for anybody who's paying attention, very few it. probably are. I don't, you know like I don't know. <sighs> I think it's I think it's kind of a cool uh, lineage, I guess. And it uh, looked like you also got some mini golfing in. Oh yeah, well, so when I was in San Diego a month ago, um, I've been. Uh, my friend Angela said, "What do you want to do while you're here?" And I just had this itch to play miniature golf. I don't know where it came from, but I've been thinking about it a lot. And mm. uh, Angela and Ali and I went to play it was like nine holes and it was kind of indoor and it was kind of like it was fun but it didn't really scratch that itch and then when i was in the bay area um my ex and i went and played some miniature golf but it was also indoor and it kind of scratched the itch but it wasn't quite right and then the next day we saw that there was like 36 halls of proper you know mini victorians and castles and fountains and windmills and uh tiki uh tiki temples and all kinds of you know so we went and we played 36 holes together and it turns out i'm twice as good at miniature golf as she is (laughs) (laughs) i my whole family i'm trying to think what year it was it must have been around 2011 or 12 we went we uh we used to go to cape cod every summer for a week uh, which is a very fucking Boston thing to do, but we used to do that. And um, one year, the kids were like, "Oh, we want to play mini golf at that place," and that's the closest to like a whole family killing each other simultaneously that we ever, <laughs> I think, I think yeah. got the first. The first like four holes went real well, and then I think Owen maybe hit his ball over the fence. Oh, as you do. Uh huh. When you're, you know, when you're seven, um, and just, uh, just, just shit went really sideways. And I don't think I've played more than like six holes of mini golf since then. I I love it. I kind of like. I feel pretty satiated. I feel pretty satisfied with with those thirty six holes. It was a beautiful day. I, you know, one thing I do wish is that there was like an adult swim hour. Cause you're standing behind these little fucking idiot kids that can't putt and they're not taking it seriously. Like this is, you know, there's some shit that I take seriously. Miniature golf apparently, apparently is one, <laughs> one of the things. And I'm like, Oh God, come on. You guys are just flubbing it. Like get out of the fucking way. Let the pros come through. Well, that's kind of what happened. The, I have this problem and it's a problem where I, there's nothing I would I would less like to be than in someone else's way. Yeah. I just can't stand it. Same. Um, so we're, it's summertime and we're playing mini golf as a family and the kids are just all over the fucking shop. And, and that's their, that's their birthright, I guess, as, as having been born. Um, but then Owen hit his ball over the fence and the other kid was just, he just wanted French fries after the first four holes. I think like once they realized that it's not very easy they were like, hmm. Yeah, you take take a kid to like an indoor miniature golf place. You know, like this is a, this was a pro course. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was, <clears throat> oh, it was it was really fun. I love. It. There's an indoor miniature golf place here in town. I haven't been to, but I'm kind of thinking about maybe giving that a shot. I'm also kind of thinking about maybe taking it like miniature golf tour. I wish that I, when I did my big epic road trip a few years ago, I wish that I had thought more about miniature golf then and so that i could have like hit up some some courses around the country um and the other thing is that the fountains at miniature golf places are always skatable and then i'm like looking at the fountains and looking at these little banked areas and thinking man i want to yeah i have skated one miniature golf course in uh sacramento that place was fucking sick and I've thought about it in many more places in the, in the Bay Area on the corner of Alcatraz and Telegraph on the Oakland Berkeley border. There used to be a miniature golf place 
in the like 60s and 70s called Alcatel. And it got closed down. And then it was like a in, sort of an informal skate park for like 10 years. Oh. Yeah, there's a, there's a good Facebook group that my friend John runs. And it's like the Alcatel skate something. And there's like old pictures from back when it was a miniature <laughs> golf course to when they were skating it in the 80s. And then it got mm. buried and turned into a liquor store and like oh. an office complex. So there's another little in, fun fact. In the 80s, in the early days of cable television, I, you know, like there was a time when ESPN had like mini golf and ping pong when it wasn't all, I don't know what it is now. I don't really watch it, but um in its early days, it had all manner of shit. And there was a... There was a, a a chain of mini golf places in the South called Putt Putt, mm-hmm. and they had they tried to have a pro tour. <laughs> I don't know how long it lasted or whatever, but I the idea of you being on, like you being exactly who you are, but also being. <laughs> periodically on pro mini golf tour dude if there's really? such thing as a pro uh frisbee golfer uh disc yeah. golf excuse me uh there is definitely thing a thing as a pro mini golfer but you know what like if you're a pro golfer and you got you really understand putting and the wind resistance i, I went go-karting at one point and these two dudes showed up and they had their own fire suits and helmets and shit and i'm like oh these guys, you know, you go, or you go paintballing and somebody shows up with all the like, uh, yeah. flak jackets or whatever. Like, you don't know. These guys are going to fucking destroy everybody else with their rental equipment. And, uh, right. I, I asked, uh, I asked my ex when we were playing on Saturday, if, if she thought that, they, that people showed up with their own putters yeah. and balls, <laughs> she, she said, yeah, probably. So I think, I, I think I'm pretty good in uh, 18 holes, I was shooting a 50, a 50 and a 52 or a 52 and a 54 or something, which is okay. And she was at a hundred. She was in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not good at talking shit. Like I always like wanted it to like, to get a little bit of, you know, like, uh, what's it called? Kind of uh spar, you know, verbal sparring banter going with her. And, yeah. uh, the other day I was like, oh, you're going to fucking, I'm taking you down. And she's like, I'd like to see you try. And I think that was the first time in 22, 23 years, however long it's been 22 years that she, yeah. that she did a little bit of shit talking back. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I like this new you. Who is this so person? Her, but her game rose to the level of, I'd like to see you try. Yeah. Yeah, that it was, wasn't, it was, that's a, really it, not much, but it was a, you know, it was a response. So I was like, okay, like, you know, you're starting to feel a little, get a little found foundation. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's fun. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm not as good as I think I am. I, if I played, you know, like miniature uh, 18 holes with Tiger Woods, I'm sure he would absolutely annihilate me. He would probably shoot around a, uh, an 18, I imagine, <laughs> you know, or maybe yeah. like a 24 or something, but fifties, fifties, uh, that's good. I think, I don't know. I got nothing to yeah. compare to. It's a real mental game though, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was one where I was, there's a barrel. All right. It's uphill and then there's a barrel and there's a hole under the barrel. And I thought that was the, the, the hole. I didn't even see that, like, you can just shoot it under the barrel and then get it, and then it goes downhill, and then the actual hole is down here. So I I was like, there's no fucking way. It's like a it's like a 25-foot drive, or whatever you'd call it, putt, 25-foot putt, into this hole underneath the barrel, and it's bouncing off what the things that are holding the barrel up, but all that does is just shoot it down real close to the actual hole. And so yeah. I'm at to, like, 21. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be here all fucking day. And then I looked right. and I realized like, oh no, this is like a two, this is like a two putt hole. I'm overthinking it. And then the people behind me, they were like, oh fuck. I thought that this was like the hardest one also for what it's worth. It's the uh, 17th hole on the uh, front 18 at the, <laughs> whatever the miniature golf place is in Castro Valley. From there, you can see the big three giant crosses 
and then the miniature golf sign and then a McDonald's sign. It is America like in right most in front America of you. spot in America. <laughs> yeah. I like you I like the vision of you overthinking it at the mini golf place. <clears throat> it was it was pretty intense. And then I just sent uh Angela and Ali a video. Um I there was this one uphill putt with a little rise in the middle. So if you fucked up, then it would roll all the way back and I got stuck oh. in this little ditch. And yeah. I finally putted it out and this little kid ran by and grabbed my ball and handed it to me and I yelled at him. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bunch of little kids and I, I like roared like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then I smiled and said, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kids. Kid had already pooped his pants by then. Uh huh. Yeah, and probably like barfed up some orange drink or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Adult Swim, Adult Swim. Just anybody who's listening, who's in charge of uh, miniature golf places, have Tuesday be Grown Up Day or whatever, anything, please. Right, right. For those of us who take it seriously. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, we're back, and now we're here, and we're recording, and we got a whole new bunch of shit to get into. So you want to do some shout outs and then we can get on with this nonsense yeah i want to shout out uh i don't know if i've already you know everyone needs to just understand that i'm not well organized and i have no memory so if i shout you out multiple times for the same thing uh just assume that i love you that much uh and not that i forgot that i did it before but i'm shouting out kessler roberts who isn't sleeping well um the thing that happened over Thanksgiving for me was that uh, over a few days of practice, I remembered how to sleep. Oh, good. Yeah. So then by Sunday morning, Sunday morning, I, I was like, oh, yeah, slept real nice. Uh, and but then I was like, oh, fuck, I got to set an alarm tomorrow. Like just when I fig cracked the code, just when I figured this shit out again. So anyway, I'm shouting out Kessler. I hope uh, you figured it out over Thanksgiving, too. I'm also shouting out Michael Shearer, who's going through some shit. Uh, he got in touch. Um, I don't want to get into his, his stuff, but they had a little um, tragedy uh, near their family, uh, which was a big deal. And I wish he wasn't going through that. He was nice enough to say that uh, our podcast helped him feel a little better. That's not our fault, Michael. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's great. I mean, I I don't I don't I'm sorry that he's uh, yeah. other, you know, dealing with bad life bullshit. But like that anybody that this is like a little tiny bright spot in anybody's existence is fucking cool. Yeah, it gives me a per I well up a tiny bit, and I get <clears throat> a couple of goosebumps. Uh, pretty soon. Uh, psychologists and therapists are going to begin prescribing people listening to a pair of yutzes talk about mini golf as <laughs> as therapy for <laughs> to counteract life's tr tragic moments. Um, also, shout out to Jeff Grosso, R.I.P., because he showed us how you could be an ornery prick who is also full of love. That's a thing that Steve and I have been. Um, considering and talking about lately how we can be such pricks but also keep it positive and I think Jeff Grosso is the perfect example of dude he's he's so good I, I have begun revisiting the Love Letters to Skateboarding series same. and same and if anybody isn't familiar with Love Letters to Skateboarding um, a couple cats from Six Stair, Six Stair Productions Buddy and Rick uh, were tapped by Vans to do this series, to produce a series called Love Letters to Skateboarding. And uh, Jeff Grosso, uh, professional skateboarder from the 80s and sort of a uh, armchair uh, historian of, of all things skateboarding, hosts. And he sits around and he talks with his friends and he talks with legends. And they have the themes for each episode uh the fathers and sons episode um 
Japan, the Japan episode, the DIY episode, uh, two part skate rock episode, uh, two part uh, queer skateboarding episode and just goes on and on and on. I think I, don't, I can't remember if I said that. I think it was 12, ultimately 12 seasons that they did before uh, Jeff passed away. And um, it's just fucking brilliant. I love it. I love it so much. The Truck Wars episode is awesome. I just, you know, the Freestyle Conspiracy episode. It just goes on and on. Magazines, fanzines, fucking you name it. And I think you actually don't have to be a deep, deep skate nerd. Like, I would not call myself in any way a deep, deep skate nerd. Not even close. Um, But they are enjoyable. They are enjoyable. Like, you, you will learn some things... Uh, you will laugh. Um, and I think it's a great example of him saying, you know, like the whole model of him saying, like, don't do that trick like that. It's only kooks do it that way. And at the same time, it doesn't fucking matter. Just keep skating. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he's he's a big proponent of tucking your knees on front side airs. So that <laughs> is to if you are regular foot grabbing behind your right knee and between either in front of your left foot or between your feet is less preferable. But as long as you're tucking your knee and you're grabbing around the outside, if you can't do that, don't even fucking bother. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like skateboarding's rad. And if you love it and you're doing it, you know, he's, he was, I think, so I knew of Jeff from the time he was an amateur uh, through his pro career, through his his horrible heroin addiction, um, like I knew of him or knew what was going on with him since he's, I was a kid. Um, and there are two periods of Jeff Grasso that I I love the most, and one was like the pegged jeans, sarcastic like skinny punker Jeff of like 1987 and the fat, sarcastic, (laughs) abrasive, lovable, honest, earnest Jeff of the last 10 years. And I saw, I saw him at a lower Bob's contest in West Oakland, the first lower Bob's contest and my friend Christian and I were on the deck of the uh, sort of south end of the the DIY park there. And um, Jeff and I had been in contact, uh, you know, th- through whatever, just fucking emailing each other, or direct messaging each other, or whatever. We had a bunch of friends in common. But I walked, he walked past me and he turned and he gave me this huge, just, he just enveloped me, you know, he's not that much bigger than me, but he just like wrapped himself around me and gave me the sweetest hug. And, um, we chatted for a little bit. And then when they were doing the, uh, love letters to skateboarding, the, the queer episode, uh, queer skateboarding, they were actually at the parking lot where I would session and I had come back into town and they were filming and Jeff was asleep in a car nearby while they were filming (laughs) some interviews and I walked over and I gave him a little nudge and he kind of bleary eyed, woke, opened his eyes and stood up and gave me a hug. And uh, I think he was dead maybe like two weeks later. Mm. And it just was, I think I've said it before, um, you know, we weren't close. He didn't have regular contact. He wasn't re- even really like a, he wasn't a regular f- fixture in my life, like in three dimension. But when he died, I was, I was taking a bath and my friend Christian called me and um and and they had just found him that morning and uh i was like just overwhelmed with i've said it before i just miss sharing the world with this person i miss being in the same occupying the same space at the same time and watching his interviews with people and his interactions with his son and stuff i'm just like man what a fucking force guy was just so good you call him a gatekeeper fuck it fine you call him somebody who has opinions loose opinions <laughs> loose and very direct opinions like 
whatever. He just like he was the best. Yeah. So, man, really went off on one there. <laughs> you did. It was a nice. It was. A, it was a nice. It was a nice. You want to do music? Do a music pick and then do, yeah, or you want to do ads or what? Or what? No, let's do music picks. Then we'll do sponsors and then we'll. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, my music pick this week is the first Jets to Brazil record, Orange Rhyming Dictionary. Um, I have picked a Jawbreaker record on here before. I know your buddy. Is it Lee? He goes by Lee now. Yeah. Uh, he hates thinks, Jawbreaker. He hates Jawbreaker. He'll definitely hate Jets to Brazil. And I'm psyched. I'm here for it. But the first Jets to Brazil record is fucking amazing. Um, I think part of the problem, it's not a problem. The The thing with Jawbreaker is that they went from being a, a good punk band to being a sort of precious e- pop emo band. And so I understand, like, if you don't like the later Jawbreaker, the later Jawbreaker stuff is the most popular because it's the most accessible. But I understand if you don't like it. I don't like all of it either. Um, Then Blake from Jawbreaker starts Jets to Brazil. And I think the first Jets to Brazil record is fantastic. And the ones after it become sort of more precious and not as good. Uh, but that first one, Orange Rhyming Dictionary, has some fucking amazing songs on it. And it sounds like nothing else. It has its own sound. I think it's a great record. Hmm. This is this is the first record after Jawbreaker came became Jets to Brazil. Is that right? Well, Jawbreaker any... broke up and then Blake from Jawbreaker started Jets to Brazil. He moved to Brooklyn and did Jets to Brazil. Right. That, I think that's what I just asked. This was... Okay, so as one guy started this new band after J- after Jawbreaker broke up, started That's- Just Brazil. So this was the first record as this new band. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's correct. I don't know anything about Just Brazil. I think I was. I mean, I think I knew that there was like some they shared some personnel, but I was not a fan of Jawbreaker, so I didn't pay any attention to it. Yep. Um, and well, you should have done. You, if Lee you hates it, should have done. It. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally will. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to fuck all this whole week. Like I've just been, I was thinking like, what's this, what's the soundtrack of the voices in your head called? <laughs> I've been listening to that. Um, mm, that sounds like lightning bolt for me, but you, you know, you, you, yeah. Um, I did, I did sleep a lot. Like one day I finally got out of bed at three o'clock. The first day I was out of town because I, I woke up, ate breakfast, drank coffee, went back to bed. And my cat was just on me. Like my cat loves me so much. And then I got back into bed and he was like, got back into bed. And then I got up and I ate lunch and I got back into bed and he got <laughs> back into bed. And then I woke up and I was going to do something at like three. And then I was like, fuck it, man. I'm just, I'm like catching up. I'm making up, uh, hopefully, uh, Kessler can do something like this where you leave town and you have no responsibilities. You have nothing to do, no one to see, no job, no work, no distraction, and just a fuzzy buddy to snuggle with because that's that's clutch. Um, but one record that I do really like that has been kind of playing in the periphery is uh, a record called High Loathsome by a band called RPG. Uh, and they're from Virginia. And a friend, a friend, a virtual friend of mine turned me on to them, sent me a pre-pressing of one record and maybe a CD. Um, and I, I can't, it's like just plain fucking plain rock and roll. You know, it's we got a little bit of Skinnerd. It's a little Southern. I, I hate to do this to you, uh-huh. but I think you've picked this record before. Is that right? I think so. I'll let you pick it again. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not. This might've been one that, that I couldn't find in when I was compiling all of the picks. Ah, uh, but I was, I, I know I was listening to it like a lot. Um, a year ago. Let's have it again. Okay. One way or the other. Yeah. That's a bummer. I, I, 
I hate doing double picks, uh, and then now uh, my OCD is going to freak out, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, well, okay, that's a... And then just randomly scroll through my, <laughs> my phone to find some other thing. But that's a, a that's a good one. They do a Cheap Trick cover of Southern Girls on it, which is great. I probably said that last time, too. So uh, take it or leave it. You love it or you hate it. RPG. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with love it. Okay. RPG. RPG. I loathsome. I loathsome. All right. I don't know what RPG stands for. Role Probably playing something. game. Huh? <laughs> Role playing game. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe so. Uh, all right. Let's take a word from our sponsor. Probably Shimano. Maybe somebody else. But probably Shimano. And we'll be right back. Revolting is brought to you in part by Shimano North America and their new GRX 12-speed mechanical group set. Shimano is the originator of gravel-specific components, and the new GRX Mechanical is the next step in their evolution. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new GRX lineup offers three unique 12-speed mechanical drivetrain options, along with unrivaled ergonomics without an over-the-top price. Available in two different one-by chainring options and one two-by chainring option, the new GRX 12-speed mechanical delivers the freedom to choose how and where to ride. And we're back. Uh, what are we talking about today? Oh, funny you should ask. <laughs> I love that you just come up with this stuff off the top of your head. It's really something to behold. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm basically a, a non-rhyming freestyle rapper. Uh, the defining characteristic of the human species, Stevel, is its imperfection. Mm -hmm. Plagued with self-reflective consciousness, humans are prone to eat themselves alive with bad thoughts, bad decisions, and bad behavior. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. This week, why don't you and I talk about our vices, bad habits, and what we're doing either to indulge or curb them, depending on what day it is and how we're feeling. Uh, I, d I have no bad habits. <laughs> you know, uh, outside looking in, that looks true. Um, there's, I think, I think the guilt associated with habits, see, if you have a guilt about something that you indulge in, I eat too much sugar. I love it so much, but I eat too much sugar. I smoke. I, sh I know I shouldn't, but I love it. I feel like the guilt is what ends up, in some instances, making a person sick. Um, my friend Colin, who I worked with at Swobo V2, uh, he turned me on to the quote, which I think uh, Tom, Tom Wolf, Benjamin Franklin, Aretha Franklin, maybe yep. uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yep. Uh, all things in moderation, including moderation. Yeah. And I feel like that is a real good <clears throat> life directive. My wife says all things in moderation quite a bit. Um, and it seems like a rational person's, uh, it seems like a real obvious one. It's that's common sense. I, however, do not possess. I I don't know. Look, I don't know how all of it works, right? I don't know whether it's genetic or I don't know whether it's nature. I don't know if it's nurture. I don't know. I don't have the moderation button. I don't have it. I don't have it. If I like something, uh, I have a hard time not doing it. I have a hard time moderating my behavior what's in a the way. What's the adage? <laughs> if if a little bit is good, a lot must be better. Yes. 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 I I um I have these manias and some of them are good manias, you know, like riding bikes and some of them are not as good manias like getting blackout drunk. And so it's a weird, I don't know, it's not weird. It's a quirk of my makeup that uh, this thing, this ability to hyper-focus or obsess has both positive and negative aspects to it. Um, I wish that it weren't so. And this, I, I mean, I think it's pretty complicated. 
actually, because I think I, I am this way because I really don't like the naturally occurring thoughts in between my ears. And so these manias are all strategies to escape them. Hmm. Well, uh, recognizing that I think is, that's a step somewhere. And I should, I should also, <clears throat> excuse me. I should also reiterate or reiterate, not reiterate. I should counter my initial, uh, uh, declaration that I don't have any bad habits with, with it. that was totally sarcastic and all I have is bad habits. I think we got that. I think that well, came okay. through. Okay. I just want to be clear. Um, self-deprecation and self-loathing. Yeah. Oof, yep. Those were, those were white hot. And I, uh, I have recognized and I have done so much work on myself, so much reading, so much therapy, um, so much self-examination, uh, that like, I still, I still go a couple rounds with it every now and again. Um, when I was in Portland, I was having drinks one night with my friend Ian and I was, like, I was kind of talk, just caught, caught my, I didn't catch myself. He caught me talking shit about my own, uh, artistic abilities slash lack thereof slash output, whatever. And he's like, you always fucking do this. And I don't even hear myself like, and it, he's like, you got, just stop. It's a, it's, you're, it's fucking lame. And I'm tired of hearing it. And he like really broke it down for me. Like kind of like cut me off of my knees. And I realized like, I have never been nice to myself about whatever my, my creative output. Never. I have beat myself up relentlessly as a person kind of have given up on that. And I've even turned a corner where I'm like, you know, how do I support you? How do I support my friends? How do I talk to my friends? How do I encourage my friends and loving my friends unconditionally my whole life? Why can I not do that for myself? And that was sort of the beginning. That was the first question I asked. And then I begun building on that. Um, and, but then like artistically or creatively, like fuck that all bets were off. And I was terrible. I have been terrible with, to my, to myself. When he called me out, I began to sort of turn the corner there as well. So bad habits, um, is that what we're talking about? Bad behavior, bad thoughts. Yeah, those, I mean, they're the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Self-deprecation is a real thing. Oh, 100%. Like you, I mean, I do it. I think part of the challenge for me is I feel like I'm so goddamn good at it now. Why would I stop? Yeah. Like, like, uh, the other thing I re that I learned about it actually in AA was that <clears throat> we think self-deprecation is like the height of humility, but it's actually ego-driven. Big time. It's actually, <clears throat> it's important for uh, people with big egos to either be the best or the worst. And there's like a emblematic, there's something like, um, you know, a badge of, of, of honor about being the worst, but it's all ego driven. It's all me, 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 me. Yeah. And I think the, the challenge I have with self deprecation is that I want to, I, I want to keep myself in check to a degree. Right. Um, I want to, I want to not, I don't think it's helpful for me to think I'm the best, but it's equally help not helpful for me to think I'm the worst. It, I think it's the hardest thing for people to accept that they're just people. They're just average. But life and reality keeps you in check. Like you don't even need like that's just <laughs> it's just it's just you don't need to do it. It's like day every day does it. You know, like you don't need to yeah. knock yourself down anymore, Pegs. Getting out of bed and facing whatever you're going to face that does it. That's it's, it's like automatically built in to existence. And that's something that I've really tried to embrace and promote. You know, I so saw my friend Pete gave me this patch a bunch of years ago and it, it says unfuckable 
and I thought it was funny and I sewed it on the inside of my jacket and I catch myself like I've looked at that a bunch in the last couple of weeks and I'm like that's not even funny anymore <laughs> turns out I'm super I'm super fuckable uh yeah but uh I mean, it's kind of like, it's like a, like a, per, like a little badge, like a little constant dig at myself. Like I'm unlovable. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on, I'm unattractive. I'm unappreciative of, uh, unappreciable. Um, is that a word? It is now. I liked it. I got it. Uh, and it's, it's fucking useless. Like it was funny for a few years and, or I didn't even think about it, but I've been thinking about it a lot <clears throat> and it doesn't it serves no purpose so it's these little things that are almost undiscernible that you catch yourself like i said like with the whole creative thing uh ian called me out on it or lack yeah. of creativity or being shitty creative creatively or whatever like he called me out on it and it, and it was not even anything that i was picking up on so yeah, keep yourself in check and love yourself like you love your friends. We talk about that all the time. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard thing. Um, all of these things are easy to say and harder to do. Um, it's but they easy. Are... It's easy when you do it a little bit. I mean, everything. It's like anything. You. It's a practice. Right. So the more you practice something, the easier it gets. The better you become at something. And how fucking hard is loving yourself? really hard as it turns out but like <laughs> <laughs> um but it sh it shouldn't be and once you get to a place where you're like oh you know i got i got you're not comparing yourself to you're not comparing yourself to anybody you just that's that's challenging because you spend any amount of time in public or on the internet and you look at what other people have or you look at how other people do things and you're like oh man I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do the other thing. Think about all the things you can do and you do have. Like, it's hard to look at that objectively, but it's so vital. I think that's right. I think that's right. Also, what is what <clears throat> ultimately what is the point in not loving yourself? What is the <laughs> fucking point? Nothing. No, no, there's none. Yeah. When we were kids on Electric Company, do you remember this little um, they had all these recurring songs and one of them was you're the most important person in the world to you to you and you hardly even know you is electric company I think it was electric company maybe it was Sesame Street I don't remember I watched a lot of Sesame Street and a lot of electric company I was really yeah. just waiting for it was either easy reader or spider-man spider -Man. those were the yeah. those were the two things that I really like I was I was attracted to yeah, we've talked about that before. Like, why didn't they just... Electric Company should have just been Spider-Man. Because... <laughs> um, I hated, I hated the episodes... Stop teaching me that, to read. I, I didn't like the episodes that, that didn't have Spider-Man. Like, I'd sit through an episode of Electric Company and be like, well, that was pretty cool, I guess. You know, but I, I kind of felt like I was a little shortchanged. I guess I know that hair and chair rhyme now, but <laughs> where, what's Spidey up to? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, uh, so, no, I don't remember that song. No, but, uh, to back to the point, uh, 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 you, you, we are all trapped. We are all fucking trapped between our own ears. Uh, I can't see through anyone else's eyes. I can't be, can't walk in their shoes. I can't, no matter how much wishing you do to not be yourself, you're always going to be yourself. And so it does stand to reason you should get busy liking yourself sure i mean if you like if if you were unlikable there would be no people around you there would be no people loving on you you know so like if you are if you are such a piece of shit that <clears throat> you have no genuine friends and you have no genuine loved ones and you don't loved ones and you don't have people showing you or expressing appreciation uh then then maybe you do suck and <laughs> you know if you're just bought, you just bought your friends the jury or whatever. Is in. <laughs> um otherwise like if you're like if you're really this piece of shit and but people like you're not you're not giving the people who love you any credit with that right. 
Right. Um, like, well, if, you know, if I'm a piece of shit and that was something that I really got into um, after my wife and I split up is I was, I was always putting her above me. Is like she's this, <clears throat> she's this perfect being, and she's slumming it with me, or you know, I was always making jokes about that, and and I pointed it out at our wedding. No one told her she was lucky. Mm. How, how sad is that? Everybody told me like, oh man, you fucking, you want you won the lottery, dude. You like she's you you, you she's the best. Blah blah blah. My mom even t- didn't say that she was lucky mm. and so it was sort of this echo chamber i don't know if they were saying it because i was saying it or i was continuing to say it because i sort of subconsciously heard and i absolutely was like she was the she was the best family she was the best home i could have ever imagined and and I know how lucky I was, but in hindsight, I'm now seeing how lucky she was. And that's taken a long decades. Yeah, I've been with my wife 30 years and I still make those jokes. Um, but I think. I don't, I don't know whether I'm making those jokes because I believe them or as a way to deflect. I don't actually, I don't actually know what I do think. I think I'm awesome. Uh, I think I'm awesome, but I also think I'm a lot. Our friend Ashley, uh, uh, talks about this stuff all the time about how if you have a big personality or a lot that's that's awesome that's who you are like own it that's what people are attracted to <clears throat> and i think a lot of my deflection about my wife being good and me being challenging is that i i think i am challenging uh ah but she loves it so as you say i got to give i got to give her credit Right. You were, you, you were puzzle pieces that found each other. Yeah. And she, I'm sure she, she, uh, supports and kind of, um, uh, what's the word benefits. She, she compliments your stuff as you do hers. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, I was going to make some for one more final uh, re- really profound observation but I I lost it. Well, we um, give you credit for it anyway. Okay. I appreciate that. So, uh yeah, that would probably be my worst habit. Uh you know, then there's all the like superficial like oh, maybe I, you know, I drink too much, but which I don't really. I think my reputation as a as a drunk probably uh is more inflated than than reality but also like i have in my history um imbibed um a bit much or a bit too regularly uh but i like to keep myself in check i like to moderate as we described um i am much kinder to myself now uh, in terms of building a safe, comfortable, clean place for me to live and work. Um, and after my marriage fell apart, it was a matter of survival to really put these pieces in place and to make this abundantly clear and in focus for myself. Um, because, uh, being my own worst enemy was not working in my marriage and certainly in the wake of this huge life challenge, it was not going to benefit me at fucking all. So, uh, it was like sink or swim time. And I've done, I think I've done some pretty good work in the last four years. Oh, I, I remember you, what I was, I think I was you've gonna, done great. Go thanks. on. I remember what I was going to say is you, when you, you know, it's like you tell a lie a thousand times, it becomes truth. Like you make enough jokes about yourself. You say like, Oh, I'm fucking stupid. I'm you know, like, I'm the dirtbag. I'm the, hist- I'm the, I'm the mess in the relationship or whatever. Like you begin to believe that. And, 
And when you begin talking in, 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 in positive cycles about yourself, th- your, your focus and your reality begins to shift. And um, you got to be real careful about the stories you tell about yourself, tongue in cheek or not. No, I think that's right. I, I think that there's one clear counter story to that story, which I'm which I'm embracing more and more and more. Um, so Brittany and I were at the we were at the garden center the other day and they've got, you know, they've got plants everywhere, everywhere. I love the plants. And then you go inside and they've got all they've got some home shit or whatever. And Brittany and I split up as we often do. And I'm just sort of wandering around. She comes around the corner and I'm there smelling a scented candle. And she just (laughs) (laughs) she just broke down laughing. She's like, of course, of course, here you are. With the pine scented candles and. And so the the counter story is that I'm I'm actually a homemaker. You know, I think that term has been abused quite a bit, but that's who I am. Like I want to make our home nice. I do a lot of cleaning. Uh like for all the stories about me being the mess in the relationship, I keep our shit high and tight. It smells nice. <laughs> uh I made a pie last night. I'm a fucking oh, homemaker. I like that. There's a terrible myth about surra- surrounding like <clears throat> men and what what our abilities are, and you know if you you fucking take care of yourself and you love yourself, it's somehow a deficiency, <clears throat> and I hate that. Uh, and I I like the notion of you know trying to shift that tide. Certainly in myself, if somebody else sees it and they're like, oh, uh, so this guy's sort of like uh he's like a recreational scumbag uh, yet he is totally loving himself and t- being nice to himself and li- likes scented candles then fuck yeah. maybe i can start to kind of like i can u- i can use that as sort of a uh, a blueprint for maybe what i'm how i'm going to treat myself or i'm going to talk to myself or i'm going to build my space up oh i do speaking of scumbag um so there's this little sew shop these ladies run this little they do sewing like sewing classes and they've got a bunch of big industrial machines and they do alterations and stuff and they're in the building where my studio is and i've become friendly with them um i also have taken my new battle vest in there there was a couple of patches i couldn't sew on by hand and when i do sew them on by hand they look so fucking terrible that like i took my vest in and this this lady renee said she just like sewed all my patches that i sewed on Resewed them on because she was so embarrassed by my inability to sew. Uh, and um, so yesterday, uh, one of her friend I don't know, she's like a, a compatriot principal in the business or something. She's up there a lot as well. And these these ladies are probably in their, I'm going to say they're in their mm, probably mid to late 60s. Mm. And and this w- woman grabbed my jacket and she said, what's your, your name is Steve? And I said, yeah, well, it's a nickname my friend Sarah gave me when I was a bike messenger. And, you know, as I grew up really liking evil Knievel. And then I, and then I, you know, found out that he's kind of a scumbag. And this lady said, well, I think we're all kind of a little bit scumbags. And I was like, yeah, I guess I, I guess we are scumbags. And she's like, it's good to be a scumbag. And I said like lowercase S and B, not uppercase. Evil Knievel was an uppercase scumbag, but we're lo- were you cool with being a lowercase scumbag? She's like, yeah, we're all scumbags. <laughs> and this, this lady, like this, this nice lady with like chain on her glasses and her, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's exactly what you imagine them to look like. And they're like, yeah, we're all scumbags. And I was like, all right, we're going to be scumbags together. <laughs> oh, that's a so beautiful I made, story. Yeah, I made, I made, <laughs> I made friends with the ladies in the sew shop who helped me put my battle vest together. <laughs> oh, you, you, find, you, find, you find derelict friends in all the strangest places. <laughs> oh, man. They're the best. Shout out to Renee at the sew shop. Oh, Renee. All right. Let's, um, we're going to just blow. Uh, we basically answered the questions. We're going to jump straight to the would you rather. Wait, why do you think we forgive ourselves for our bad behavior, but struggle awfully hard to forgive other people for theirs? I mean, that's a great question, but I don't think we have time for it today. Sure we do. We only have 58 minutes. We got like seven more minutes to burn. I'm going to say I have an easier time forgiving myself. 
but we're all fucking human, you know, like on the airplane the other day I saw in an hour and 45 minutes, I saw a dozen different uh, examples of bad behavior. And I was bummed, but I also, um, I also just kind of let it go because, you know, pick your battles. Like we're all fucking human. We're all trying. I hated the kid that was kicking my seat the entire flight. I hated her mom even more. Uh, but like, am I going to turn around and be like, Hey, could you keep your kid in check? This is obnoxious. Is that going to make her a better parent? Is that going to make the kid less, uh, self-aware or more self-aware? No, it's just going to make me the asshole in front of you. That's probably going to end up with gum in my hair. So fuck it. Bad behavior. It's just everybody. Like we're, we're, we're imperfect beings. I have a hard time accepting that. Sometimes it's true. I it's true. Feel, it's a hundred percent true. I just sometimes have a hard I really time. mean it. Sometimes I, I don't right now. I yeah. do. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I go out of the house every day and expect people to have learned how to drive right. in every single one of the times I left the house before they couldn't do it. I don't know what makes me expect them to get it today. I just got to let all that stuff go. I was talking to Greg Heath from Donkelope yesterday and his beloved border collie Kyber, who is really like, he's just like, Kyber, Greg's my friend and Kyber's also my friend. And like, mm -hmm. I kind of like, I, I, I go and hang out with Kyber when, you know, even when I'm not hanging out with Greg, he's like, he's just my homie. So he was, Greg and Kyber were crossing the street and a car ran a very, very red light and hit Kyber and like bounced his butt off and like spun him around and Greg chased the car down and punched the front windshield. <laughs> um, and he already has a pretty short leash. Uh, but he was like, and he like, that was, you know, you hit my fucking dog and drove away. Uh, right. And he, he was like, if it was, uh, if, if there was a man behind the wheel, I would have dragged him into the street and beat him to death. Uh, and it wasn't a man behind the wheel. And so he just destroyed the windshield. But like, oof. How can you breathe through that instance and say like, well, people are just people are people. I don't yeah. think I could. There is always an exam, uh, an exception to <laughs> fucking everything I say. And in that instance, I think I probably would have done the same thing he did. Yeah. But Kyber's good. Saw him last night. He's great. Oh, Loves good. treats. I got a couple toys. At my I mean, studio I, and a bag of treats. He's awesome. I only met Kyber the one time, and uh, frankly, I don't think he cared for me that much. Although we were at the <laughs> we were at the trade show, and I'm not sure he cared for anybody. Yeah. Uh, but you brought him up, and I was like, "Oh no, oh no, yeah, is he okay?" No, he he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's got. He's you know. He's like part cat. I think he's got mm. at least eight more lives left. Good. Uh, okay. So sometimes we can't forgive people for bad behavior and sometimes we can't forgive ourselves for bad behavior, but it's, you know, we're always just trying to learn and grow and be and exist. Time heals some wounds. <laughs> okay. Would you rather now question three, would you rather have the chorus of starships? We built this city or Bon Jovi's dead or alive play as you walked into any room. So you're walking. So like a rest professional wrestler walk, walk in song or whatever it's called. Yeah, but it's just like you go see your parents and like they're not even sure that you've arrived. I'm going to assume that you just walk into your parents' house. Maybe you do, knock yeah. and and wait. But so so they're sitting there and they're and all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> "We built this city." And they're yeah. like, "Oh, is uh, here." And, he wa and you here. walk in the door and like the next whatever the the chorus finishes. Uh. <laughs> Um, I, that one is funny, but I think I would tire of it more quickly than, than the Bon Jovi song. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, and I also have real positive memories of, uh, a, a friend of mine doing that song at karaoke in Santa Cruz about 18 years ago. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that, say the Bon, bon Jovi, well, I wanted dead or alive. Cause I'm a cowboy. It's just oh. like people hear, cause I'm a cowboy. And then and you, you walk oh. in the room. Yeah. Here comes, you know, shit. Here comes Steve. I can hide yeah. the Twinkies. Uh, yeah. You. 
I mean, We Built This City is such a terrible song. I, I you know, <laughs> really part, part, part of it is being amused by inflicting it on other people. Like you just know your friends who love you. They love you, right? But they're like, <laughs> fuck. Uh, Every time you come back from the bathroom, like you're hanging out every time you come back from the bathroom. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, that's a tough one, but I'm, I think I'm gonna stick with Bon Jovi. Do you have a actual like? If you had a, what's it called? A walk-in song? It's like a, there's walk a term. Out. Walkout song yeah, yeah. in professional wrestling. Yeah, do you baseball have players one? have them. Do you have one? Like, do you have one that you like plays in your head whenever you walk into a room and you're feeling pretty high on yourself? Uh. I, no, I wouldn't say so. You got to work on that. I mean, there is a song, like, if you were to say, pick one, like, say, because I know baseball players have them, right? You go If you go to a Major League Baseball game, before a, the a, the batter comes to the plate, they play their walkout song. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a floor song called Assassin, which is very short. Uh, and I've always thought Assassin would be a good walkout song in a, you know, in a, like, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. I guess I, I don't know that song. I'll, oh, you should I'll, check that song out. It's a great song. Uh, I, mine uh, is uh, Arabian Heights by the Afghan Whigs. Yeah. And anytime I'm in a suit, fucking for sure. Fuck, if I, if I, anytime I'm in a suit like that, like I'll even play that on like a Bluetooth speaker because I look so good. But <laughs> oh, anytime I'm like feeling like I'm pretty high on myself, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I look good or I feel like I feel good or whatever. Arabian, the intro to Arabian Heights, really just the first fucking 45 seconds of Arabian Heights. That's, that's my walkout song. And when, if, uh, if you can't get Graveyard to play Ain't Fit to Live Here while I get my cryogenically frozen body, gets shot out of a cannon into the side of a strip club, Arabian yeah. Heights would be a good second. It, it's my walkout song and then my exit song. I, w- I like it as, um, so on the mini golf pro tour, when they're like, <laughs> and in the green polo shirt, Steve, out of Bellingham, Washington, it's Steve Knievel. Did you have like a walkout song as you come up to the first cannons. hole? <laughs> yeah. Smoke. Yeah. And then I, I still just shoot like a 55 or whatever. Like it's right. purely, purely average. Putt. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Some little kid grabs my ball and runs away. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, All right. Well, that's it. Outro. That's it for today. Remember, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man always gets the best parking. Why not go to the Cycling Independent and throw a couple quarters in the meter for us? On behalf of Cycling Independent and Revolting, I'm Steve-O. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it.